Hey friends, Josh and Taylor here. We just finished recording our episode, and what we discovered is that Taylor uses, I think, an insightful, but uh, perhaps triggering analogy analogy and a discussion on the back end when we talk about the use of biblical language. Yeah. So, and did I specify what it was about? I think we should if we're going to. Yeah, no, it is a trigger warning for a discussion about sexual assault and rape. Yes, so if um, that is something you need to be mindful of, we wanted to get you give you that on the front end. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Um, yes. It is Star Wars? So close. Oh. Same actor. Oh, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Yeah, I think I've done Indiana Jones in a previous episode. Wait, I had one too. Okay, good. Okay, here we go. Am I going to guess it? Well, I'm going to sing the words, or should I not? If you can, well, I like guessing things. Okay, I'll try. Lord's Army, which is relevant to our conversation today. I know. And the back end of what language do we get to use? Uh huh. Okay, so there's a sneak peek, folks. Good one. Yeah. Good humming, too, or da-da-ding. Thank you. Well, Taylor. Yes. It's another edition of It Was Either This Or. Here we are. What's this one going to be called? It Was Either This Or A Linguist? A Linguist, yeah. Okay. Hey, I have a couple things I want to talk about. Okay. Number one. actually, That's only, like what we do here, so. We only, I have two things. Okay. <laughs> um, first of all, you know what story I've been following? Um, the GameStop one. Well, we can talk about that too. No, um, Alexi Navalny. I don't. I have not been following that. Story. Okay, so he was poisoned. <gasps> oh my god! In Russia. Okay. And he has raised uh, opposition to Putin. Okay. okay. Vladimir Putin in Russia, um, sure. and he's been very successful, kind of in a grassroots way, okay. because like the one thing Russia can't control is the internet, because it's a not a Bernie Sanders-ish. Um. Well, I don't know how strong the analogy is there because I don't know the political affairs enough. So, but I get what you mean. Sure. Yeah. So anyhow, Navalny poisons him, or no? Um, Gets poisoned. Putin poisons him. Oh, he, they won't claim it, but it's and he like exposed Russia. Like this Navalny, he called. He acted like he was a higher up and got a hold of somebody, mm-hmm. and they basically said, "Yeah, we poisoned him." And then he like released it. He's very smart. <laughs> what? Yeah. But still, somebody's fired. Oh yeah, no, Some, somebody will die. Somebody. That guy's going to die. That's how Russia deals with that. Yikes. So, um, anyways, here's what I was thinking. Okay. So, when I uh, listened to this daily episode of um, basically how the fake news people abroad work, sure. it's astounding. And this guy, this American, goes this whole episode. He, like, goes to Russia. He goes to this office where allegedly this stuff happens. He meets with a guy, describes the whole experience. The guy, like, is like, no, no, we're not this, the Russian guy. Sure. And, like, you know, he, like, has a pretty good exchange. Yeah. Then he gets back to America, and he sees this story. And, like, all the things are true. Like, he was in this coffee shop, but it was, like, at a different angle to make him look like he was talking to somebody else. And he, took like, it, like, blew his mind how he was set up. Anyways, all this to say, um, one of the things that was really interesting for me yeah. is he says they're not the Russians trying to get Trump into office. They're not like pro-Trump people. They're pro-sowing discord into America, which makes sense. Right. Right? Because ultimately, it's not like they love Trump. It's that they would like the country to fall apart because they want to be more powerful. Right. 
So I've been thinking about this Navalny situation. Sure. And I'm like, oh, like he's the perfect thing. Like, so this is me making a, th- a statement about what I would do if I was not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I'm like, I would be James Bond if I wasn't a Christian. Okay. But, like, um, James Bond. He kills people and stuff. So I can't do all that. Okay. It's just the killing. Yeah. And so, anyways, and he's got cool cars and he's very awesome. I don't think cool cars are anti Christian. Well, the one, the amount of money you'd have to spend to have one of his cool cars that have missiles that kill people on them, probably. That's true. Anyways, we're getting digress. Yeah. So I was thinking, wait a minute. Why don't we, again, not a Christian, but as a strategic <laughs> Americans, have people working in the CIA's office who are basically American bots sowing discord into Russian news headlines. I think we have that. And then I was thinking, I bet we have that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, the circumstances are ripe, and I bet we are totally trying to interfere in all their stuff, too. Yeah. And we have people who all they do. But it like in this, this daily episode I listened to, uh-huh. they, they interviewed like some of the, the, I call them the schmucks, the lower downs, like you and me who work in these like just warehouses and they like are two or three people uh-huh. who are like they know their scripts they know their american thing their online presence and they're just feeding garbage in here and so and i've on so the yeah, social media yeah and you would be surprised like how sophisticated it is like they know their job they know where they live they know their friend networks and they just get into these facebook chats and like i saw one and it was like the first time I was like, well, I have two two instances. One is um, this is just horrible. But do you remember this the six year old little boy Kanan, what's his name that was shot uh, a neighbor? This it was just a summer. It was just an awful story. Yes, he was so little. So I clicked on one story link random, and um, there was one comment that was just so awful. Uh-huh. And I'm like, there's no way any. Even the worst white supremacist, whatever person I know, would write this. Would write this. It's not advantageous. It's not. It doesn't get your agenda in whatever form. And I thought, oh, that's that's a Russian who is yeah. just trying to rile up Americans. These are the discorders. Then I have another one. I follow my local news station. Up okay. In... Do you think before this though that we are going to get tagged by the Russian government for talking about this? No, we're not important enough. Okay. okay. I do this, sometimes think about that. Like, what, are they going to come poison me for telling you? <laughs> but I think they're more worried about the CIA than it was either this or... Maybe. We'll see. Um, but then um, I follow... Yeah, and there's one guy, and he his, his picture is a pile of... It's the uh, poop emoji. Okay, sure. And it's got a, a mega hat on. <laughs> And flies around it, and um, the, Wait, okay. the name is not realistic. It's like Ta Jackson or something, T A W Jackson. And all the pictures you go through, there's not like one of an actual human anywhere. Yeah. And they just get in, and there's a new post, and they post like five or six like flagrantly kind of liberalish ideas, mm-hmm. and then they don't have any meaningful interaction. Mm-hmm. I think it's a a bot, so to speak, a person sitting behind a desk who just does this all day. I wonder. Um, Marty has been on a real tangent. Okay. She responds to all of Ted Cruz's posts. I I have seen a few of her responses. (laughs) And I wonder if someone would think she's a bot. But her, like, she, her posts have a direction and a purpose that's traceable. I think so, too. But I just wonder if someone else would be like, nobody would say this. But I saw one of them was like... You're an idiot. Resign. Uh, that's what they all say. <laughs> but I mean, that's like a, a thread, and there's lots of people right now saying that. Yeah, for sure. 
But she, it just is like. If she were a bot, Marty would say something like. Um, Bad. Gross. Yeah. And it would be, um, it would have a little more clear liberal agenda, not just. Um, <laughs> I think it's pretty it'd be Like, you were trying to murder AOC and we all know it. You know, something like that. Uh-huh. Kind of direct and loud. I have a friend. I have a friend group chat. Uh-huh. Um, it's t- the Taja group chat, Mom. And um, sh- uh, they just keep sending me everything she says. That Marty says? To Ted Cruz. Like, oh. every time they see it, they screenshot it. and they Wait, it. you know, Marty listens to the podcast. I do know. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's what I said. It's the Taja group chat. And they're, like, very into it. Like, they are very, like, Marty's a hero. A true American hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. <clears throat> um, I just am pessimistic enough to think nothing's going to happen. Um, significant. I don't even think that they'll get um, they'll be able to impeach him post. Although, <laughs> did you hear that all of his lawyers quit? Yeah, because they he refused to do it. As uh, you can't impeach somebody who's out of office. His team imploded. Yeah, that's like what they want to argue, and he says no. Yeah, that, that... he was like, no, no, we need to talk about how they stole the election. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Um, well, that was probably too much on that. I apologize to everybody. No, I loved it. Also, I forget that people get poisoned. That's like a thing that well, still happens. Well, and I like thought it. that you'd have to do that through food. Because mm-hmm. one of the things about Navalny is they found like uh, Russian higher-ups within the premise of the airport when he got poisoned or whatever. Oh. And it was like in his underwear. It was like laced. And so it was like he put clothes on and got poisoned that way. That's a little more terrifying. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's frightening. So. Um, wow, okay. Well, I hope he's okay. And it was the same, like, nerve agent that they've used to kill other people. It's like from, like, this Kremlin has. This is the thing to me. It's like, if I live in Waco, Texas, mm-hmm. and I can tell that the Russian government has people, like, out there doing crazy things, don't you feel like that's not secret enough? But I mean, well, Putin is starting to lose popularity, which is like why some people think he actually is responding to Navalny. Oh, okay. Is because there's probably lots of these, but they don't matter enough for him to pay attention to. Right. But he's starting to lose um, actual steam. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, then I'm always like, but, and I, I'm, you know, conspiracy theories just talked about one in church Sunday, but like, like, <laughs> who, like, I'm sure America has a vested interest in the image we get of Russia too. Right? Yeah, that's true. And like what's going on there. And not that, you well, know. I know we certainly look bad on the international stage yeah. right now. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I guess we don't have any room. <laughs> I just would always pause to say, I bet the picture we get of things is not always 100% true. Yeah. Um, no, I do think that Putin is not a good dude, for the record. Yeah, I hope that wasn't on the table. <laughs> We're not pro Putin over here. <laughs> Wait, okay, so can we talk some about the GameStop thing? Yeah. Are you invested? Emotionally? Not... Um... Oh. Um, well, I don't... Here's the thing. I don't necessarily know the whole story, other than um, it was it, there was evidence that hedge fund, hedge fund managers were short-selling, mm-hmm. and people spotted this. Is and short-selling spread... illegal? Yeah, it's legal. It's legal? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there was a hedge fund. So, short-selling, do you know what it is? Uh-huh. Okay. I won't. It's where you sell the stock, or you buy the stock. No, you, you borrow, borrow the, the stock, stock, and then you sell it. No, 
What do you do? <laughs> yeah, you borrow the stock, um, and then you um, sell it at the price you borrowed at, I think. Yeah. And then you know it's going to go down, and then you buy it back at a cheaper price because you knew it was going to go down. Uh-huh. And then you... Um, and then you use the money you made to sell it. Like, let's say I sell it for $10, then I buy it back for 7 mm-hmm. Then I give the stock back to the person I borrowed. This is all an analogy. Yeah. But I pocket the extra $3. The extra $3. So that's how it works. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't even actually understand the actual market itself. Like, what does it mean to borrow stock? And It's all made up. It's yeah. a game. <laughs> it's like risk, um, but for adult men. And... Anyway, so yeah. Somebody, a bunch of people short sale. They knew that there was not enough... Stock to return, so they started 160%. buying it to expose the, the fraud of the hedge Somebody fund. Somebody on Reddit yeah. found out that this was happening, and so then they said, "Go buy all of them." But there's another layer to this, and I think it was you and I talking about it. Like, people just didn't buy GameStop because they saw this way to pinch hedge funds. They also bought it out of a nostalgia factor. That was not us talking about it. So it's like um, nerds at home who loved GameStop. Start, just started buying it? Yeah, and after, so like I saw a meme the other day. It was Leanne Robillet, I think it was. Um, Splinter holding baby turtle's hands, and it was like uh-huh. um, GameStop was Splinter, and then the baby turtle was Millennials. Uh-huh. And then the next one was the turtle was grown up, and it was Millennials holding GameStop babies, or uh-huh. old Splinter's hand. Yeah. Kind of like... You, you took care of us, now we're going to we'll take, take care, care of, you. of you. And I do think that's what's particular about this is, yes, there was a way to pinch the market, but there was also like, but we love this company. It's like millennials are insane and they do things because they think it's funny. Well, and like GameStop is not a good investment. Well, that's what um I saw a meme that was like a bunch of, you know, sort of white businessmen in a room and then it was like Big Bird. And it oh, was yeah. like, <laughs> so and Big Bird was GameStop. Oh, and it yeah. was like, once the market makes GameStop a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, and like the other people were like Amazon and Tesla. <laughs> yeah. And then GameStop yeah. was Big Bird sitting there. That was funny. Um, yeah, but I do think that, that mostly it was like uh, a squeeze the market situation, an eat the rich situation. Well, and probably, I, I would guess, there was some Reddit nostalgia, like let's buy this. Uh-huh. And then it like looked to investors like oh they're actually going to do this and then they hopped on and then it mushroomed yeah yeah but i don't actually know there's actually uh the daily just released the gamestop episode today so i'm gonna listen to it later oh okay and they'll do the i'm sure planet money has probably done one too if they haven't already update next week yeah but what a fun kind of just event to have i mean i wish i would have had the stock but it's gonna go back down eventually so and also it's to me it's really funny there were a lot of tweets um condemning like the market kind of generally like it was like rich people say to poor people like just get smart and save your money and invest it so you won't be poor anymore and then it's like poor people are like okay and rich people are like no not like that (laughs) yeah this is gonna be like another candidate for a big short kind of movie this was a really low moral moment that exposed kind of the corruption in a way that was undeniable that can't be parsed in court which they'll do that anyways but Um, anyhow. Yeah. Can I tell you something else? Yeah. So I interviewed Brad Rettler. I don't know if you remember Brad. He yeah. philosophy professor is now at Wyoming for, I, um, my, for my other podcast. They were the first baby dedication I did. Oh, yeah. Brad. Sweet Brad. Yeah. So he's very smart. And um, we talked about Bitcoin because he's written about this. Okay. 
Um, you know, Bitcoin is almost trading at, I haven't looked, but like it was at $36,000, almost $40,000. Wow. And um, we were talking about this, and he shared a story that he sent me the article. The very first, no, like the first legit trade that wasn't a black market trade uh-huh. that we know of recorded mm-hmm. in blockchain, um, I think I'm getting this right, mm-hmm. was a guy who um, got two like Domino's pizzas or whatever mm-hmm. for 10000 Bitcoin. Um, Ten thousand, which is now four hundred million dollars. But um, do you think that man is sad? He got pizza instead of four hundred. Well, no, because there's a great article, and he makes such a great point. And this is so true. This is why it'll probably be a sermon illustration. He says, "I don't regret it because had I not been part of a legit, legit trade in a real legal market, it wouldn't have. It might not have started growing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you know probably it would have, um, because the inevitability of the thing." But what a great perspective. I have noticed recently, I have noticed that it must be really, really high because um, I keep seeing people share tweets that were like of them in like 2014 making fun of like the amount of Bitcoin they have and like how it will never be anything. And then a follow up that's either like now this is like several million dollars or like I gave that away and it was this much amount of money. I think Bitcoin is crazy. Yeah. I don't understand. It just started? Like someone was like, hey, this is money? Yeah. The guy that started it, we talked about him. Um, he was very smart about it. Okay. Like he'll really understand the idea of currency and how he's releasing it and how he's propagating it. Um, but it's finite. And when people lose like their access code to get it, it's like lost forever. Yeah. And I so, saw a guy post it was like. It's like $2.5 million, and he just was like, well, it was fun to <laughs> like mess with it for a while or something like that, but he's like never going to get that. I know. I just I do this thing where I torture myself, and I just think, what if what if in 2008 I would have just traded somebody for like 100 Bitcoin and then put them away and kept the code, and now I'd have, you know, which yeah. is just stupid because yeah. why would you do that? It's worthless at the time. You yeah. couldn't get a penny for it. Yeah. And then people are always being like, you know, when I was growing up, people are always being like, keep those beanie babies. They'll be worth something. Or baseball cards, yeah. which I look now and I'm like yeah. going for 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I invested $500. So you just like never know, you know? Yeah. You don't know. You don't know what's going to appreciate. Yeah. That's why you have to just be present and thankful for what you have. Well, I'm trying. Yeah. We all are. It's hard. Thank you. But it's easier for you than it is for me. I don't know. Maybe. I do think I just don't. We talked some about this, and this will come up later. Uh, things people tell me are important. That's mm, not very meaningful to me. If someone is like, "This should be important to you," I'm like, "No." If someone is like, "This is important to me," then I'm like, "Oh, okay. I would like to share in that with you." Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, when someone's like, "Bitcoin is important," I'm like, "Please don't talk to me. Thank you. Bye." I don't know that that's great. Is what I'm saying. We got different mm. things going on. Well, yeah, it's like I've said this before, but the it's hard for me to comprehend the difficulties of being a present person until I hear about them, uh-huh. and then I'm like, oh dear God, no! <laughs> <laughs> I will take my future problems. I had a friend in Covenant Group in seminary. We were doing enneagram work. It was like the last year of Covenant Group, and we all went through and sort of described what it means to be the number that we are. And truly, the moment I got done, she was like, that sounds horrible. And I was like, okay. So, oh, that's kind of mean. It was kind of mean, but <laughs> I think she was trying to decide if she was a two or a seven. 
Oh. Also, I think I don't mean to offend any sevens. Okay. I find that sevens have like a casual cruelty that they employ sometimes. Uh, give me an example. Well, there's that example. But is it a knowing thing? No. No, okay. it's not. It's like a unknowing thing. They just will like say things or do things and be like, this is fine. But it like really injures the people around them. Um, for the record, I'm sure twos have a similar thing. But... Who's the most, uh, the seven that you have the closest proximity to? Uh, well, that feels like throwing someone under the bus. Well, I wouldn't assume that they were the person in your story. I'm just wondering how you're processing. Because I process numbers through the people I'm closest to. Okay, they. so this person was not the person in my story, but it is probably B.B. Sanders. Oh, remember her? Yeah. Is she like making a million dollars as a lawyer now? Um, I don't know about a million dollars, but I think she's doing okay. What kind of lawyer is she? Um, she does things in court. She does litigation stuff. Okay. She was working internationally for a while. Um, well, I don't think those people make as much money. I would totally be the scummy lawyers that go after big, big dollars. Big dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What kind of lawyer is Marty? Marty does social security law okay. and family law and disability law. So she could write a will, family law? Yes. How about your dad? Um, my dad does, um, I can't ever, th- like income stuff. Like he, estate law, he does a lot of like, he, my dad can really write a will for you. But he does a lot of like, oh, oh yeah. actually that's not true. Now he works for Bank of America. He does? I think he still does that. Wait, he worked like he's a retained lawyer at a corporate thing? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, there you have it. My dad is a fancy guy. He's always speaking at stuff around like the state of Texas. Are you ever surprised Kathleen didn't go the lawyer route? No. You know, eight, got both parents who are esquires. Yeah. I could just see her doing that. I could see pretty much, I could see me and Kathleen doing it. I'm not surprised neither of us did. Um, I, but I can't see Jacob doing it. Okay. Did you have a second thing you wanted to talk about? I do. Okay. So I finished Atypical. It was only three seasons, but oh. it was just so good. It's still going on, right? Or no? I mean, it's not canceled, but I didn't even begin to research. Okay. I love all the characters in that show so much. Okay. They it's were just, just three or seasons? Yeah, three seasons, about 11 episodes each. Okay. I mean, I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm. I'm just telling you I loved it. Half an hour or an hour? Yeah. So here's what I want to talk about, though. Okay. So last night was our first moment since we had finished. You know, we had movies, the weekend, whatever. Right. Where it was like, okay, time to pick a new show. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get myself to want to do a, a sitcom. I mean, an hour-long drama. Yeah. I think I've transitioned for the time being. Um, So I'm going to keep doing Sam Adams and West Wing on my lunches by myself, which is going to take a long time. But um, I have a friend who's a psychologist, Uh and he works for the Waco Family Health Center, and I think he just sees some really, really hard things. And so he he, can't watch shows that are about further into reality. And I've never understood that. I'm like, the drama's so good. And as I'm getting older, I'm just like, I, um, I really need to... Yeah. Just veg out. Yeah. And uh, sitcoms do that. So, all that to say, we started watching Community last night. Did you? Yes. I've never watched Community. Um, So, this is what I've discovered, and and it should have been obvious, and I think it is obvious before this, but um, so you have The Office. 
Sure. And then you had Parks and Rec. Yeah. And then now you have Community. And what I realized, it's just, it's characters centered around this like obscure reality. Yeah. A place. Yeah. And that's the formula. Yeah. Um, I think 30 Rock and Brooklyn Nine-Nine are of the same vein of thing. Police Station and um, Studio. TV Studio, yeah. Huh. Yeah. And maybe if we boiled it down, that's everything. But I guess, you know, comedies used to be set in homes. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and now that they're they're set in workplaces. <laughs> that's so funny. Like think about Jerry's apartment, the yeah. friend's apartment, the yeah. Cosby show was in their house. Roseanne. Roseanne was in her house. I think um, the one you could make an argument for is Cheers was in a bar. Yeah. But it was more like about the customers than about, like you never right. went in the back, right? Right. It's interesting. The office and, is like, that. It's, it's almost like a typeset. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, it's all, you could call all of those places, except for community, I guess, the office, you know? Yeah. So that's interesting. Um. I, I, so you know, I've had an idea brewing for a while to do a, um, a TV show for a church called First Pres. Oh right. But I think it was that sassy seminary student on Twitter uh-huh. that I've been talking to your sister about. I think yeah. she did that as a post and like got a lot of responses. Yeah. So I, it's out there. I think that girl is very funny. I always worry for women who are like very deeply tied to the SBC. Oh, is she? Uh, I think so. I wanted to talk to her. Kathleen's been trying to get me connected so we can talk to her. Okay. Everything she posts is really... not. I mean, I, mean, I guess I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of what she posts is really great. It is. And she's um, she's funny and witty, which I think is why she's got some steam, but she's also have some great stuff to say. Yeah. Like she had a thread the other day about revival. Really? And about, yeah, um, taking on white supremacy and stuff like that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so... Um, one of my tweets I liked this week was a tweet that was it said you can't spell Christ without CRT which I thought was really funny wait what is CRT? critical race theory oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know the thing all the southern Baptists oh man I, yeah I just I, who sits around and thinks of these things? I don't know geniuses <laughs> okay are you ready? yeah um, do you have anything you want to talk about? Um, I did have a few things I want to talk about. Oh, good. One of them was, um, I'm so sad that the Mavs are not playing well. Oh, yeah, and the Bucks are not playing well. I'm oh, glad you brought this up. It's very disappointing. Luca's playing great, but the, we keep losing. It's so upsetting. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to say that act. And we're not even at the break yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's probably fine, but also I just... I just wish things were going better. I had such high hopes, you know. Well, it's early, mm-hmm. um, but like the the Bucks, same thing. We're like dropped two to the Pelicans, and somebody else not good. It's just really distressing. Here's my thing, though. I have a theory about NBA regular season, okay. and my I have, my example of this is the one year that the Warriors lost it was when they won. 73 games, games 73 games like you don't want to I think you and, and LeBron in the East he stopped trying to win the East and they, he just come in as a four seed it's like just get to the finals just get to the playoffs get to the champion the and then playoffs, turn it up yeah. 
And I think that smart teams sort of do this. They worry about managing their players. And I'm telling myself that's what the Bucks are doing. Okay. I love Rick Carlisle, so I guess I can tell him. I can also believe that of him. Hey, what was the um, the name of that place that we were going to call maybe the... Oh. The, they had the, tr- the Republican <laughs> Four, The Four Seasons. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. I want to see if we can. Um, you know, uh, Abby Carlisle, Rick Carlisle's daughter, did a TikTok. This is like a year ago, I think. Um, or maybe in the fall. Wearing a Baylor sweatshirt. Okay. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, she's going to go to Baylor. How old is she? She's like 16. Okay. So I think she still has a few years to choose and also... I'm not sure. It's just so crazy the things that people will infer from like a 16-year-old wearing a sweater, you know? We are eager to have news. That's true. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to get, you know, some feelings about is the Super Bowl. And if you have any... I can't. It's too painful. It's too soon. It's too soon. You can't. Yeah. You won't root for anybody. Um. Here's the thing. I'm trying to be a mature enough sports fan at this point to not root against teams. I think that's kind of low ball. To not root against teams? Yeah. Um, okay, that's not an attitude I've adopted. <laughs> I I actually do like Tom Brady. No. No. Yeah. No. Is a human. What, what? Okay, objectively, what do you not like about him? The Trumpness. Um. I don't know that that motif is is strong. Well, I can't like Bill Belichick turned down the presidential freedom, uh-huh. and everybody. Bill Belichick is not Tom Brady. I know, but they were like two peas in a bag. Okay, maybe that's true. I don't know. Yeah. What do you mean, maybe? Uh, well, what has he said publicly? I There's don't like even know. pictures of him wearing a MAGA hat. Really? Yeah. Recently. <laughs> I don't know. Good question. Okay. Maybe he's changed his mind. Yeah, Belichick did. Yeah, obviously. He was vocal in 16, and then he refused the presidential freedom. In, like, last week or something. Yeah, yeah okay. That's a good point. Maybe I should give Tom Brady some space. Um, But he's, like, promotes healthy eating and healthy lifestyle. I get freaked out by him, not because of the healthy eating or healthy lifestyle, but because he's aging in reverse, and that feels bad. I know. He's Benjamin Button. That feels frightening to me. Like, he has some sort of... But that's all his stuff. Like, he eats lentil soup and... I have a hard time believing that. No, he does. No, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not that he eats lentil soup. First of all, lentil soup is delicious. Have you ever had lentil soup? Um, I'm sure it is. My point is, like, he doesn't eat like I do, and that's the reason he's reverse aging. Okay, okay. Okay, we'll see. I think he's reverse aging because he's, like, getting injected with things. I just also like the some of the things he's done, A, when he's lost games, and B, mm-hmm. things he's said about people, and I see him encouraging people all the time. Yeah, there is a... Um, I think he's good in the locker room. A story going around about how a couple years ago when he, when I guess he was still playing for... New England. New England, and they beat... Has Patrick Mahomes always been playing for the... What is yeah, it? he was drafted by the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs. And so... Um, it was a they beat them in a playoff game not like super bowl or whatever and he like went out of his way to go talk to patrick mahomes and like it was like his first season i think yeah and that does seem classy yeah and he um i I mean i kind of don't want him to win because he's already secured the goat status his six super bowls what annoys me at this point is he didn't win that soup that six super bowl 
the Patriots won that. Like he, he had one good drive at the end. Right. Um, in this game, when they beat the Packers, he had three interceptions and a seventy passer rating. Uh-huh. And I mean, it's the Packers' fault they lost. But like sure. Rodgers had three touchdowns, one interception. That was a missed pass interference call. Yeah. And uh, like a hundred and five rating. So I just like still believe Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. But I can't make that argument ever. Right. I think I like Patrick Mahomes better than I like Tom Brady, obviously. Well, give him a career and we'll decide afterwards. I don't dislike Mahomes. I like him. I think he seems like um, a more fun person to be around. Yeah, he does seem. He's also like got the energy of a 24-year-old. Yeah, I think Tom Brady seems... Um... You know in Parks and Rec? Mm-hmm. I keep comparing people to this person, so I need to get a new thing. Um, you know the senator that Ben works for and he takes April? <laughs> yeah. And he just like stares at the wall and they're like, what is he doing? Um, and then Ben's like, maybe he they got him like some footage of his st- stump speeches, but then he's just staring at the wall. That's what Tom Brady reminds me of. Yeah. I mean, he is slick. I mean, people criticize him for his lame kind of even-handed speeches. After post game stuff, like, yeah. you know, we really had a great team effort and we tried. Like, you never get more out of him than that. But I think that's smart. Yeah. I mean, he's got six Super Bowl rings. Say what you want about him. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So those are the things. That was a lot of um, talking for someone who said they couldn't talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I, no, I don't know why I defended him. I mean, I, I guess I do hope that the Chiefs win. Oh, you do? <laughs> but not because, like, I don't want to be, like, a, against people. I think that's low class, so. Well, I'm against the Spurs, and I will go on record <laughs> as saying that. I, yeah. I don't feel low class about it. My nemesis in sports is supposed to be the Cubs and the Bears, but I just like organizations that are old and historical. Yeah. And so I like them both, even though I'm You're a not supposed Packers to. Cardinals fan. Yeah. 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 Anyhow. Okay, well, should we try and give four seasons a phone call? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. Okay, where's my phone? I have to get my phone. What are we going to ask them about? How business is been? Okay, ladies and gents, we are going to call for the Four Seasons Landscaping and... Is that what it's called? Yeah. Four Seasons Landscaping to just ask him a few questions about how business has been going um, over the past couple of months. We'll see what happens. I know they sold some t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Your call cannot be completed if dialed. Oh, no. Please check the number and dial again. Uh, They must have had too many people like us trying to call. (laughs) They had had to change the number. They had too many people like us. They had to change the number. That's too bad. I was looking forward to that. That's really disappointing, actually. Okay, well, we need to take a break for commercials. Oh, no, you have a quiz. Oh, a quiz? Okay, let me take it. All right, well, here's my quiz for you today. Okay, great. Since um, it is now very clear that 2020 was dominated in part by viewing of The Office, I want you to take an Office quiz. Okay, great. I don't know if Um, I'll do good at this. Okay, what does Michael pretend to fire Pam over in season one? Stealing post-it notes, not answering the phone, wearing glasses. Uh, stealing post-it notes? That was my guess. That's correct. Yes. Um, what's Pam's favorite flavor of yogurt? Vanilla, strawberry, mixed berry? Mixed berry. Correct. Jim said mixed berry. Oh, that's the thing. Correct. All right. Uh, foreign exchange student lived with Michael when he was young. 
what did the foreign exchange student take from Michael um, back to what was former Yugoslavia? Uh, all of his blue jeans, all of his shorts, his favorite shoes. His favorite shoes? Incorrect. Oh, what was it? All uh, of his blue jeans? Jeans, yeah. No. Finish the quote from Dwight. When he was asking Michael questions after being offered the spare room in Michael's new condo, question, my grandparents left me a large number of dresses, couches, armors. Armors. Correct? Yes. Uh, what's Phyllis's maiden name? Vance Lappin Lampin. Lappin. Wow, good. Thank you. Uh, what does Michael ask Pam to spread on his foot after he burned it on a George Foreman girl? There's no choice this time. Um, we have to guess. Our answer. I, it's like butter. I can't believe. I was it. thinking peanut butter. Let's see. Oh, peanut butter. Correct. Butter. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what does Kevin suggest Dwight put in his gun holster? A cell phone, a banana, a toy gun. A cell phone, I think. Wrong. Oh. Um, banana. A banana. <laughs> At Phyllis and Bob Vance's wedding, what did Michael say? Everyone called Phyllis back in high school. Four eyes, Phil, Easy Rider. Easy Rider. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> what kind of sandwich does Michael have a dream about when he's the head of Michael Scott Paper Company? <laughs> Peanut butter and tuna fish, tuna fish and Skittles, mayo and black olives. Oh, man. I think maybe mayo and black olives, but maybe peanut butter and tuna fish. Um, peanut butter and tuna fish sandwich. Okay, great. Um, Dwight tells Jim's roommate that he keeps an extra pair of shoes in his car for special occasions. What kind of shoes are they? Dress shoes, Birkenstocks, or sandals? <laughs> sandals. I think it was Birkenstocks, Birkenstocks yeah. Yeah. Um, on the day that he's supposed to move to Boulder, Colorado, Michael says, I can't do this. All channels are going to be different there. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to find my shows. I'm not going to start blank at level one. I don't think my credits. will transfer. Improv. Yeah. Okay. Ugh, I love that episode, but it's, all, I'll cry all the way through it. Um, during... <laughs> the glee watch party what does michael say he drinks while eating bags of vegetables that steam right inside their own bag scotch and splenda a beer a glass of sangria scotch and splenda nope it's not scotch and splenda glass of sangria a glass of sangria okay um in the episode when ryan started uh the fire which game does michael (laughs) say he plays every night before bed what would you do desert island would you rather I don't know. Uh, what would you do? Oh no! Oops, I misread that. It was. Never mind. People, oh. people can remember. Okay, okay. Okay, I think we have to stop because we're only like an eighth of the way through. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing, Taylor. You have really good office knowledge. If everybody wants to finish the quiz, you can email us at was either this or at gmail.com, Even though that doesn't exist. Oh, maybe it does. It was either this or? Yeah. I created the account because oh. I had to create something. Okay. So there it is. Wow. Okay. We're going to take a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Josh. Yeah. Do you know what's something I really love about Waco? What is it? It is the Waco Downtown Farmer's Market. Oh, do you yeah. go? Oh, uh, yeah. I love the Waco Downtown Farmer's Market. Have you also... <laughs> 
I normally just call it the farmer's market. But that's the fancy professional title of, okay. the, of the event. Do you go? I don't go. You don't go? I should. It's But it's. I think we got into the habit of not having our Saturdays to ourselves because of kids' sports. And yeah. so it didn't register as a routine ever. Of course. Yeah. But it is such a great place. You should definitely go. Um, there's You can get, obviously, great produce, but also great burritos. One time I got uh, some really great headbands there. You can get all sorts of cool things there. Plus, I mean, right now, it's like it's outside. You get to hang out and, like, see other people, but you can be far away from them. It's such a great place. It's so much fun. You should definitely go one time. I bet the kids would like it, too. It happens every week on Saturday mornings from 9 to 11. No, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So, you know, if you're not an early bird, you can go later. And if you are an early bird, you can go right away. And it's downtown, right in front of Town Hall at 500 Washington Avenue in Waco, Texas. If you have any questions, you want to contact anybody, ask them about the Waco Downtown Farmer's Market, you can call 254-307-1884. We are so thankful to have such a cool thing to do in Waco. Yay! (laughs) And we're back. Well, Taylor, um, how about it? How about it? Thanks for doing the commercial this week. Of course. What a great organization. It is just, I do love the Waco Downtown. I did give them a significant discount for an ad spot because they're a nonprofit. Yeah. So thank you to Bethel Bruce and her team over at the Waco Farmers Market. All the joy and culture it brings right here into Waco, Texas. Yeah. Well, Taylor, um, here's what we want to talk about today. Okay. Is that, um, so yesterday when we shot our Church Starts in 15 Minutes video. Yeah. I made a reference to the armor of God. You did? And getting ready for the worship wars. You did. And you're like, can't do it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why not? Paul said it. And you're like, can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to fight with you a little bit about whether or not we can use language and how language evolves. Okay. Let's fight a little bit. <laughs> why don't you think we can talk about the whole armor of God? <laughs> for the record, I did not... I don't take issue with the armor of God. Because it's defensive? Is- that well but what about the sword of truth yeah Yeah. exactly no um it's not just that um the language you were using though was like battle language call to arms yeah does that necessarily imply a gun call to arms uh i don't know my weaponry language implies like a weapon i think yeah maybe not like a gun but yeah but uh, we um we battle against flesh and blood or we don't battle against flesh and blood we battle against principalities and powers powers and principalities yeah yeah, we definitely do. So that he employs the word of battle, which implies a kind of violence? Um, sure. Yeah. I don't think I mind it in the context of scripture, because it has, you know, for whatever, it means something for whatever, and we get to interpret maybe what he was meaning and how that was meaningful in the first century and what it might mean for us now. But when we take it and we just use it and we're like, we are... Um, it you know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen that Amy Schumer? She's like making fun of. Uh, she had a sketch show for like a year. Um, it's called like Football Night Lives or something like that. I didn't see it, but and keep it's going. making fun of Friday Night Lights. Oh, I'm out. No, no, it's not. Um, I knew that that was gonna happen. It's um parodying Friday Night Lights. You know what I mean? Okay. And she's Jimmy Taylor, and throughout the whole series, 
she or the whole sketch she just has a wine glass that gets like bigger and bigger and bigger the whole time which is really funny <laughs> i think i have seen that actually and then it's like okay a little trigger warning for people who are um sensitive to language about sexual assault that is involved in this sketch so it's eric taylor's like first season in this new town or the guy who's playing eric taylor and they're all like hey coach we're so excited you're here and he's like okay I just got one rule about football teams, okay? And they're like, okay. And he's like, and that rule is no raping. And they're all like, coach, how are we going to win football games? And they're just all losing their minds. And then he's, and so then eventually, you know, they make it to the big game or whatever. And they're like, we get it, coach, no raping. And he's like, yes, it's great. And then he's like, I want you to go out there and I want you to physically assault those other football players. I want you to oppress them with your body. And it's just like, eventually it's a comparison about how like when we use violent language, even in like sports, then it's like eventually, like it's like if that is the language we are using to tell football players how to play football, I see your, I see your wheels turning. <laughs> To tell football players how to play football, then it's like, it's hard not to, I mean, it's like, what's the expectation we are placing on them to be able, especially like, you know, a 16 year old or or whatever, to not, to take that language and say like, it's good in this one scenario and it's, but it's not good in this other scenario, Hmm. off the football field. And so I think I have... I don't know. I was <laughs> surprised yesterday morning by how much I was like, I don't like it. I don't like it. And then also how much you were like, why are you? Why is that your reaction? So I don't know that I have like a fully formed argument, but I think that that language makes me nervous because I think it's so easily taken as like, I know, I mean, you know, I know all the like, we don't war against, what was it? I forgot. Flesh and blood. but Flesh yes. and blood, but powers and principalities principalities but like i sometimes worry that if we use that language flippantly it's hard to remember that do you know what i mean yeah um well my my face i was making while telling the stories i'm like well how do i argue with that (laughs) (laughs) game over um because it's such a i mean weighty fraught analogy right um we probably have to reissue a trigger warning at the beginning. Um, but anyhow, yeah, I think for me too is, I, you know, I immediately am having an argument that's not on the table, uh-huh. which is it's it's similar to the, the AOK symbol thing I talked about last week is like, damn it, who gets to ruin language or ruin symbols? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm going to use it. Um, but then I think too, it's like, usually when we recover things from history and we recognize they're problematic, mm-hmm. there's this unspoken rule that if it's far enough back in history, we... We get to at least leave it in its context. Right. Um, but this one's hard because there are problems with violence that continue to exist. Um, but I think that that's the fight I was having in my head about. Like, but wait a minute. I don't, we're not going to lose this one because, you know. It says it. Yeah. But I do think, well, but like I was saying, I do think that it's like, if we are in context always talking about like, um, this is a... Like, this is a metaphor for something very specific, or this is, um, I don't think that it's, like, 
Like, I don't think that that language is necessarily inappropriate for, like, a sermon moment where it is getting explained. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, I don't know that it's necessarily inappropriate, like, uh, as, like, a joke. Particularly for our congregation where it's, like, most people, like, nobody is being like, yes, I need to pick up my weapons for the Lord. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. but I do think that... Um, yeah, I think I just worry sometimes about it being used um, just because other people, you know, it is like other people can interpret it and think like, oh, yeah, I guess that is what we're supposed to do is like be soldiers. Like I said, I'm still figuring it out myself. Like, Well, but here's a thought I had last night when I was processing the moment is. Part of the reason we'd object to that is maybe because we believe that the gospel calls us to be pacifists yeah. in our relationship to violence. But about, but that's true of Paul too, and he used the language like he was. Yeah. He like embodied the pacifism, right? You mm-hmm. go to the text where he talks about beaten and flogged, and I presume he was always um, resisting in means that were legal and nonviolent, insofar as his story is given to us in scripture. Right. Um, I do think I wonder then though if it's for me particularly like contextual to where we are right now that i think there is a large problem in like the american church with like school shootings and militarism and like yeah the the conflation of christian nationalism and right mm-hmm. the military and yeah that's that's fair which is not to say obviously i do i don't know why i always feel compelled to say this but like i have such a like a such a respect and desire to honor like veterans and like especially i think because of the like mm-hmm. um the research that has been borne out over the last like couple of decades about mental health and yeah. veterans and stuff like that. So, um, so this isn't an attack on any of that, but just mostly on, I find it mostly in people who never served in the military, but have some sort of like weird desire to be on, like in the Lord's army, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is a little bit of a rabbit's trail, but one of the staggering things I read in Stanley Harauvas's book of War on the American Difference is when he talks about the intimacy that is formed between two human beings over violence, which mm-hmm. is, it just sounds awful. Yeah. But like, um, and you, you, you see this though, you go to the VFW and like another guy sees a guy with a Vietnam whatever on mm-hmm. and they instantly are connected in a way yeah. that you and I can't begin to imagine. Yeah. And the the research that Harauvas cites is that like that form of intimacy, and I don't know how they measure this, but psychologist is on par with like married couples yeah in terms of um so i think well i do think it right it has to have something to do with like lived experience oh yeah like sharing right it's like a you know probably um a depth versus like a breadth do you know what i mean type thing like it's a a depth of experience that is so deep and meaningful that like or formative that immediately you have a connection even if you didn't know each other in that place so i think the question is what language is permissible um in terms of when contextualizing a message like is there anything that's off limits because to give an example that's not quite as fraught but like there's a lot of people that don't like um john eldridge for his theological positions mm-hmm. which i think is a, something you can argue about but like the um like the rah rah man thing that gets rejected. Sure. There, I do think there is a segment of the population for whom that's their mode of being, and insofar as that is um, 
what's that word? Masochistic, masochist. Masochistic. Yeah, that's a problem, right? Uh huh. Um, or but, insofar as that's just the world people are inhabiting, does he get to use that language to speak to those people? Yeah, I do think this is one of those things where it's like, um, if someone had a well-formed argument, do you know what I mean? Like if someone was really like, no, this language is important to me and to my people and here's why, I would be like, great. You know what I mean? You got If you're using this language in meaningful ways that does not encourage like Christian nationalism and violence, then I think that's. Totally. Like, we get to disagree on this. Do you know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. what this feels like to me. Yeah, it's a debatable opinion kind of in the circles, the concentric circles. It is sort of tricky, though, because I do think, like, the John Eldridge stuff, like the rah-rah man, whatever, let's go cut trees down or something. Mm -hmm. um, It's like that is tricky because some of that leads to misogyny in a way that is dangerous to women. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But not necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. It's it probably does more because of a cultural script that's in place. Yeah. That implies that than that he thinks or even attends or you know yeah. what I mean certainly doesn't attend. And I don't know that he right, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know that he intends it. I don't know that I don't know that. I don't know John Eldridge. So I can't know for sure even that like his thoughts are misogynistic. You know what I mean? Or maybe he's like just concerned about men and helping men find their place or whatever, but like an unintended consequence of that can be, you know, misogyny and potentially domestic violence and stuff like that. And so, um, so if that is not happening, then that's not a conversation. But if that is happening within men who are like adhering to his, you know, study, and it might be that he doesn't know anybody that that's happening to, and it's happening in like studies that are hosted at other churches or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so then it's a conversation worth having there, but it's not necessarily like, an, uh, it's not. I don't. It's, I don't think it's an intended consequence. So, it's like there are places where that language can be helpful and places where it is hurtful and should be like addressed or whatever. I think too another the the banner under which more and more of my problems seem to make the most sense mm-hmm. is this growing concern I have about like the Bible was written by the oppressed for the oppressed mm-hmm. and we are interpreters of the text as people who yeah. implicitly are imp- oppressors yes I think that's it with the also with like the mili- like the battle language for me mm-hmm. is like so this is someone who is like um to go into battle is like almost necessarily to die. Do you know what I mean? Right. But that's not necessarily what we, I mean. I think most Americans certainly, when you're like, if I were in a battle, I would for sure win. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, um, and so that is sort of the difference in some of it. Yeah, and I just think you know, um, a truth told by somebody in a position that's oppressed is always louder to me than somebody who is not oppressed. Yeah, for sure. And that's not even always fair, but I just think it's like if you're talking about violence and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we have to cut short today because I have to take my son to get an MRI. MRI. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of It Was Either This Or, and we will be back with you next week. Bye.